in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. I am John Roca. And I am Matt Nost. We are back yeah. to our regularly scheduled programming. Um, this week, uh, you know, we're doing Top 10 British female-led dramas for yes. Don't Worry Darling and Florence Pugh's star-turning uh, role as yeah. the lead of that movie. A lot of and, drama around that movie. A, uh, a ton of drama around yeah. that movie. Uh, you know, people spitting on people, apparently. <laughs> or claiming to not be spitting on people when it looks apparent to everybody in the known, in the known human world that he was spitting on. Uh, Dude, I saw a Zapruder-like film breakdown <laughs> of people saying he didn't spit on him. Like, look here. And they digitally zoomed in and like nothing leaves his mouth. And just like, wow, people have spent way too much time on this. But it was frame by frame slowed down. Yeah. Yeah. Close up on Harry Styles' mouth and be like, I don't see anything. Be like, okay, well, we spent a lot of time on this. People were like, hey, man, the world's falling apart. Why do you care about this stuff? And it's like, I get it. But like, this kind of stuff is distracts you from all the madness. And it's nice yeah. to know. It's always been inherent within a majority of the populace to kind of get involved in the drama of these uh, richer people or these celebrities or whatever. And it does look like Pine literally freezes for a second. Like he doesn't understand what just fucking happened, smiles, and then just keeps going forward. Yeah, puts the shades on is like, let's yeah. fucking start this stupid movie that I think <laughs> Someone said that, oh, he had just discovered it where he had put his shades in between his legs. I'm like, that's, I what? Uh, that just seems like so weird. Maybe. Uh, as an excuse. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, who knows? knows? I don't have the slightest clue. But it's yeah. you know, it's nice to see pettiness <laughs> really <laughs> yeah, boil to the to the forefront there. Uh because usually, you know, people put yeah. a nice smile on their face and be like, uh huh, this is great, and yeah. whatnot. Just like to see the contempt. And then there was video of afterwards where, you know, if you don't get a standing ovation at some of these film festivals, yeah. then Apparently the entire audience has broken legs, <laughs> but Pew getting her standing O and everybody's like, look at her, not make eye contact with Olivia. Yeah. You're like, I, do you know, is a conscious effort? Like I just, we're looking for everything. It's yeah. pretty, it's pretty great. It does. Yeah. It does make for good fodder. Well, this isn't, and I know, I know that some like Olivia and other people are trying to frame it like, Oh, it's women against pit women against women. No, these are human beings. This is this is obviously these two didn't get along for whatever reason. It's very obvious. The fact that she's doing no promotion for the movie. She's not even involved in the Q&A that they're releasing on Monday. There's a special kind of presentation of the movie. She's the lead of the fucking film. The fact that she's not participating in the Q&A yeah. speaks volumes. And don't give me this shit. Oh, she's shooting Dune 2. That's bullshit. I mean, Villeneuve would probably have no problem giving her more exposure because her more exposure for her means more exposure 
for yeah. Dune 2 down the road. So, uh, you know, so to me, it's all just a, a bunch of Hollywood explanations for real life drama that's going that went on behind the scenes. And who knows what the the like the chronological time of all of this is, because Olivia's come out and she said, no, you know, Shia was fired and Shia was like, ah, bullshit. And here's the video. Uh, and now she's backtracking, saying, well, it's much more complicated. People don't know. Uh, but they're coming after me because I'm a female director. And look, sometimes, most of the time, I would argue that is the case, that women are unfairly treated, especially in the Hollywood world and in just overall generally. Yes. But in this situation, it feels more like here's a human being, regardless of gender, who tried to manipulate a narrative of victimhood for themselves as part of the PR push to get people to see this movie and to make her stand out as some kind of incredible director that should be lauded. And it all blew up in her face. And so that's what people are, are kind of, I think, upset about is that you tried to manipulate them to believe a narrative about women and women are just now, you know, kind of getting more inroads in the business and in Hollywood as directors, as writers, as actresses. Um, and so and more respect. And so this kind of flies in the face of that. So there are plenty of women who are upset about this, just like they were upset at Amber Heard with the Johnny Depp thing, which is of course a, he said, she says she said things completely different. Yeah. They're both monsters. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe one's a bigger monster by all yes. accounts. Agreed. Agreed. But yeah. they're both at fault here on some yeah. level. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but and yeah, plus you, the movie isn't doing well, as uh, James Petty is pointing out, and Drew Enns is pointing out. The movie is getting mixed reviews to okay reviews. So, <laughs> well, I mean, once again, September release, yeah, doesn't bode well for the expectation level. Yeah. Um, although that being said, for for this show, um, I tried to make time to go see 3000 years of longing because the oh, yeah. reception of that has been better than I was anticipating. I figured it was going to be a, like a 50 yeah. across, you know, critical and audience scores. Yeah. But it's like in mid seventies. It's like, right. Oh, okay. Well, it's better than, uh, cause I, I didn't manage to find a way to get Tilda Swinton onto this list. Uh huh. Um, just cause she's done a bunch of ensemble stuff. Right. But I was looking for, uh, female led, yeah. But yeah, you know, look, uh, I will hold out uh, until I see Don't Worry, Darling, before yeah. I, I, I pass judgment on it. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, you cast your boyfriend in a lead role, whether or not he can <laughs> act yet is a question. Yeah. I think that's made me suspect out of the gate. Well, it, and it's the thing. This is, It's the twice. It's, it's happened twice recently. And, and look, again, this has happened many times on the male side of things getting involved with uh with um you know someone on the set who was a lead uh a female lead you know we saw that with the underworld situation with the director getting mm -hmm. involved with kate beckinsale even though she was married to michael sheen or Kristen stewart having her situations with rupert graves i think it was who did the huntsman sounds about right and uh so the, you know the male directors have done this and certainly hitchcock wanted to sleep with all his leads so it's there you know no 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 it's a, the imbalance is certainly there. It's happened way more on the male side, but that's also because men have had way more opportunities to direct than women. And you see the balance here a little bit coming uh, because I mean, the most recent episode of She-Hulk that 
Reese Quiro guy who's um, from Entourage who played their that director guy on the show, Billy, whatever his name is. I hated him in the most recent episode of She-Hulk and her his wife is the director, the showrunner. So it was like uh, he, she put him in there uh, in a character that might be a recurring character in the MCU. So, you know, kind of a little bit of nepotism. Well, I don't know what nepotism, but favoritism, I guess. In that, so seeing it like kind of twice recently from female directors, I was just was like, oh, that's interesting. It's nice to see this. It doesn't matter who's fucking in control gender wise. The instincts are always there to kind of push the boundaries of what you can get away with. You know? Sure. Um, but yeah, great to see everybody in here. Drew Enns, uh, Michael Bauer, James Petty, Matthew Hasso. Good to see you, Hasso. Um, and, and as Matt said, well, how have you been, man? How, how, how are things on your end? How are they, how, what's going on? Anything new? Uh, good. Yeah. You know, n- not a whole lot has changed. I I can now take down the, the vigil that I put up for you, for your health. So <laughs> yeah, shout out to... Candles were getting expensive, but <laughs> seems like it paid off. Yes, thank you. Shout one out less to thing to run out to get. Shout uh, out to Andy who came in last week and and did a great job sit, sitting in. So yeah, that was a fun show to listen to for sure. Um, and because he's British, right? Andy's British, so yeah. a little more of an insight into London-based films. I hated missing this; such a great topic. I hated missing the show, but uh, yeah, it was great. And yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, all the all the prayers. <laughs> it, it, not a problem. It seems like it worked. As I texted you, because you had a, a bronchial yeah. a bronchitis afterwards, yeah. I, I'll take the flu for an extra week, two weeks yeah. over getting bronchitis. Bronchitis, I've had it numerous times. Yeah, I used to be a smoker, so I would get it once a year, like clockwork. And oh, just, it lasts for too long and yeah. just hacking up and can't sleep some nights just because you're coughing too much. Yeah, that's the thing that was messing with me, because like, I've gotten bronchitis a lot over the last 10 years um, for whatever reason. And I'm not a smoker. I just think maybe when I was smoking marijuana way back in, you know, way back uh, maybe 10 years ago or something like that, I smoked for about a year uh, straight, just smoking all the time every weekend. And, you know, obviously I felt it burning my lungs and whatever, but I'm not a smoker. And I wonder if maybe that kind of weakened. It didn't. (laughs) Okay, good. All right. Cause I don't understand why I get bronchitis so much. Whenever I get sick, it was the one thing I was worried about when I got this, when I about getting COVID. And so when I got COVID and it slid into bronchitis, I was having some real struggles emotionally with uh, and mentally with what was happening. Because like you said, Matt, those nights where you don't sleep, I, you know, mornings are where your mental health stuff can be real scary for you. And mornings when you don't sleep, I kind of put it kind of lowers the defense mechanisms a little bit. So those thoughts start creeping in because of the pain, the fear. Uh, my doctor told me when I went in the second time, because I went in twice to see the doctor first when I got the COVID diagnosis or tested positive. So they give me the Paxlovid. And then when it started becoming bronchitis, uh, I went in again and he gave me all these antibiotics to take, which really helped or antiviral stuff. And uh, he said, you know, your breathing is uh, kind of where we would normally during the first wave, we would have sent you to the ER. That's where your level is. But because you've been vaxxed and boosted and all this shit, um, let's monitor it. And if you go down to the 92, 93, 91 area, like consistently, then absolutely have your girlfriend take you to the ER. But if you're going to let's see what happens over the next three, two or three days. Um, So it really helped to calm my nerves 
just to see him and get the medication. And the medication eventually started working after three days. Yeah, um, it takes a little so, time for antibiotics yeah, to kick yeah. in. But uh, yeah, I was scared, man. I mean, the intubation thing is something that I'm really, really afraid of because for whatever reason, my lungs just have a proclivity to get bronchitis. And so I was concerned that, uh, you know, it could get worse. And it didn't, thank God. So for now, at least. So there you go. Yeah, know. I've. I've hacked up so much before where I've ruptured blood vessels. In oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. And just wow. now I'm coughing up a little bit of blood with all this. Good times. Good times. <laughs> a little blood. Um, what's the thing I wanted to ask you? Oh, hey, how are you, how are you feeling? Riding high after a rain-soaked victory over those 49ers. Thank God for the weather, baby. <laughs> Thank God for the weather. Uh. Listen, I'll take it, but I still yeah. don't like our chances. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I mean, technically, our division is wide open. Is it though? I feel yeah. like it's Minnesota's it's to a, win. <laughs> I felt that it's Minnesota's to win before the season started. Yeah, and all the Lions fans are like, "This is our year," and be like, "You do realize you're the Detroit Lions, right?" Yeah, no, you're the Detroit Lions. Yeah. So I, look, I'm not rooting against you. Yeah, but I in no way fear you. And then the Packers, basically what I anticipated. Yeah. Nobody's on the same page yet, but they still have Rodgers. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Minnesota should be able to put up a ton of points. Yeah, they looked Uh, – that new coach has come in. They look even more – they look more aware of what they can actually do with their weapons, which is nice to see. Yeah, which is throw the ball and let Justin Jefferson (laughs) just be amazing. The guy is – it sucks. It's the first year I haven't had him on fantasy. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that first week, I was like, ah, he just went too high. I was like, yeah. I'm not taking him this early on, but too high. That, that dude, that dude is legitimately yep. impressive. Yeah. But yeah, hey, look, we won. You won. Yes. It's a the bevy of what everybody assumed would be losers are it's currently true. sitting above 500. So <laughs> we're undefeated. <laughs> Take it for what it is. Yeah, we play that. We play the Lions this week, so we'll see how that uh, plays itself out. Because the fact that we had to come back on the Jaguars at home speaks volumes about where the level of my team is at. But I will say this for you guys: I mean, Justin seemed to play a lot better in that second half. He seemed to like kind of figure out some um, some areas or soft spots in the zone in the 49ers zone. Was able to throw some nice passes and touchdowns, but the inconsistency is still there. You know, you mm-hmm. forget that he's young. But he's not like he doesn't feel like he's got command of things. And Trey Lance looked, oh my God, I put Jimmy G on the clock right now. There's no way that guy is starting a game by the midseason. There's no way. It, I, it I, depends. I it depends. <sighs> Depending on what their record is. Yeah. Because they have so much talent that they rightfully rightfully feel we could win the Super yeah. Bowl. Yeah, with that. They're not, with out, that they're not as good as the Bills or the Chiefs, but they're no. still good. Yeah. Uh I think but yeah. The problem you have when you bring back Jimmy G when you told Lance it's his team. Yeah, it's true. It gets a little nerve wracking. Um, are we going to make a friendly wager on our teams this season, or are we going to bypass that little five dollar wager? Or should we wait one more week to see how we perform? Well, last year we did it before the season. This oh, year we you did. conveniently got sick before we did. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, make our wager. Yeah, this was the perfect two weeks to get sick. D twenty three, all yep. these trailers. House of the Dragon, Rings of Power. I picked the perfect two weeks to get sick. 
I've well, missed screenings for Woman King and for Don't Worry Darling. I mean, I have I was going through so much FOMO for two weeks, dude. It was driving myself insane until I finally said, Look, there's nothing I can do about it. It's just a Hannah Bendel. You gotta roll well, with it. But yeah. I can allay your fears on the rings of power because that show has been <laughs> dull as shit so far. <laughs> Except the dwarves. I did like the dwarves. I like him. Sure, when they went to the the mountain and yeah, wooden rocks, that was cool. I like that. Sure, that good. sure. Dwarfs are always good to help bring uh, help any any uh, Lord of the Rings uh, property or franchise. Dwarfs are the are the, always the answer. Fuck the elves. The elves are white privilege to me. Always, they're fucking little arrogant little shits that everybody fucking loves with their flowing blonde fucking hair, and they decide to break all the rules whenever they fucking feel like it. It's, it's fuck off, man. I, I don't like elves at all. I don't trust elves. I don't like elves. Dwarves are the way to go. They're straight up. You know exactly where you stand with a dwarf. There's no fucking around. I just, you're watching it and just like, oh, that's Vondavir from <laughs> Baldangaro. And they're like, am I supposed to know any? What? That was all gibberish. It was Try all reviewing these, Matt. Try reviewing this when you're writing everything. Then you're like, ah, what the fuck? I got to look this up now? Yeah, exactly. I got to uh, go through the family history to figure out who the <laughs> fuck this is. Just to stop three people from commenting. Well, you know, you could have mentioned this and it, it relates back to this and it's connected to that. And you're like, oh, my God. Fuck yeah, no. they need to pick up the pace on this. I'm, yeah, it's a little. Yeah, because, I mean. You're presenting Galadriel, who's a badass, and I'm cool with that. I know some people have issues with it, and I, I can understand some of the presentation, but I think she's doing a really nice job, the actress. So for me, I like seeing a little revenge uh, be an element of this. But yeah, I agree with you. They've got to start, you know, picking Something. up. But this, you know, I don't know, she's the only thing that I genuinely have liked so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a lot good. of the rest, I'm like, this is yeah. the the Funko popped head elf that is the <laughs> diplomat. He's fine. And then the dude that she's rolling around with yeah, is human. like, yeah, okay, all of a sudden he's a badass. All yeah. right. Right. Uh, I, don't, I don't fucking know. I don't disagree. I, I'm liking House of the Dragon a lot more. I'm like, yeah. Dragon. And it sucks for, for Rings of Power because you decided to release at the same time. So you're going to get this compare and contrast. Oh, man. It makes no sense. It doesn't. You Zero sense. Invested how much money? A ridiculous yeah. amount of money. And They've stated basically if this doesn't succeed, they're out of the yeah. This this you know uh, creating original content for streaming. Just wait till wait till House of Dragon is done and then drop your shit. Drop your shit in October. Yeah, people are gonna want to watch it into November and December. They will, and you'll have no competition. So yeah, it made no sense for them to go toe to toe with HBO unless this is Bezos's a dick measuring contest. I don't know. Just doesn't make sense. Yeah, he said he wanted his Game of Thrones, and then he put it up against Game of Thrones. And <laughs> yeah. Game of Thrones is just, it started much quicker. We're right into... Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah, you get a sense of, of the, the lay of the land much easier than... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, right. hopefully it picks up. Will I continue to watch? Yes, just because the property's been so good. Thus, yeah. You know, previously. Agreed. And created a rich world. Uh, but right now, man, it is a slog. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of a slog. Like, if that human wizard doesn't do something fucking soon, <laughs> just two episodes of him just, it, you know, it's like a, a Starman, where it takes him forever to, like, get his oh. sea legs, so to, be, so to speak. The Jeff Bridges film. 
Yeah. 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 It's like, okay, man, speed it up. Let's fucking go. Let's go. Aren't you supposed to be something? Let's go. Yeah. And then at the end of that caravan, when he starts pulling, it's like, shouldn't you, shouldn't you should be able to catch up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just once, once he takes over the reins and they show that wide shot and be like, shouldn't he be faster? I, <laughs> I feel like I'm nitpicking at this point just because I want something to happen. Oh, and we're going to yeah, pull this caravan. And the chant is oh, yeah. like, yeah. Uh, no, don't, don't get left behind. They just, what, they say that for the entire journey? Oh, Aren't they supposed to be hiding from the world and yet they're announcing their presence as they're going on this march? Like, I don't understand the fucking rationale of any of this. And I would be loco if this was what we did for the entire march. <laughs> just repeating the same five words as somebody else calls out you know it's not yeah. listen in the military you do that but you don't do it the whole time you're fucking marching you know oh, it's just you set you a pace yeah yeah and then you just maintain the fucking pace exactly and once the pace starts slipping down then you bring it back again and then let it go it's sure fun. yeah I, I don't know if it happens the whole time but what we saw yeah it's uh, way too much yeah i don't know uh, we shall really? spin again. I mean, that's the problem for me with Lord of the Rings. Always, it can be so fucking boring sometimes, man. It's not enough action, not enough shit going on, you know. Uh, but we'll see. You're right. We'll see. We because we got a long way to go. There's more, many more weeks of this show coming out, um, and it's going to be crazy because like She-Hulk is happening, Andor is next week. So Andor, Game of uh, House of Dragon, Rings of Power, and She-Hulk are all going to be rolling at the same time. So that's kind of crazy to be covering all of that so i'm my mind's gonna go insane um anyway all right so what, go ahead what was i was gonna say you watching the patient so yeah i'm loving the patient really loving the patient such a good psychological exploit yeah interesting concept yeah yeah agreed have you watched the old man yet the jeff bridges one did you finish it out or did no, you stop? I finish it out yet okay okay uh, yeah, patient, and I'm about to jump into reservation reservation dogs the second season because that ju- that dropped on Hulu a few weeks ago, and then Atlanta starts tonight. I think is we're recording on Thursday. It starts, night. yeah, this week. I don't maybe it is yeah. tonight. I think it is tonight. Um, it's and the then last season, yeah, and then what's the other one? There's another one that's coming. I can't remember. What. Oh, I just finished Abbott Elementary. I liked that. That was actually really good. The first season. Oh, so, okay. I yeah. couldn't. Uh, wasn't for me. All right, but, fair enough. You know comedy's exceedingly subjective yeah 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 so it seems like it's a a hit with everybody else so that's cool I'm yeah happy for had, him. had that parks and rec vibe um anyway all right let's jump into our show here matt we're 20 minutes into our gavin let's jump into our show as matt said earlier it's the top 10 british female-led films doesn't mean that they're british films just british female-led dramas um and so they have to at least be led by a british actress uh so that's our Approach to this, and uh, as Matt said, in honor of uh, Don't Worry Darling, Florence Pugh there, uh, another notch in her belt in her ascension to becoming like one of the best actresses in the world. She will absolutely have many, many awards before she's done uh, uh, as an actress for sure. She's got that kind of way too, way too good at way too young an age type of vibe, and it's incredible to watch for sure. Um, all right, so how's the show work, Matt? We set a topic going to our individual ways, create personal top 10 list, show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one piece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. So what do you got to tap? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. At at nine and 10, I have two movies where it's like a co-lead situation. Okay. All right. I tried to go full on 
lead at all times. Yeah, that was my focus. Yeah. Um, so if you want to ding me and say, I, I don't think that's enough of a lead, that's fine. <laughs> I've got backups. Okay. I got backups. So that a big deal but i tried to spread the love around too. get a bunch of different actresses on yeah me too me too in their movies i also Uh, realized look it was tough to find initially to get to 10 but then i realized it's because i haven't seen a lot of these films over the last few years where more british women are taking the lead in these films like and i need to really get on these films and watch them so uh maybe i have to program myself like a film festival for a whole week where i catch up on some of these uh, some of these films um yeah, I just thought of actresses, plugged them into IMDb or Rotten yeah. Tomatoes, one of them, and just went through their filmography, picked off whatever I wanted, moved on. So yeah. I've got like 30, 35 actresses that I went through. Right. And there's some that's just like, wow, it sucks. There's not a single one where it's a good movie. You're yeah. not the lead. Right. And I can't even call you the co-lead. You're fourth on the call sheet, fifth on the call sheet. Right. Like a an integral part of the movie, but not something that part of this discussion so okay anyway at uh 10 once again if you want to ding me <laughs> that's fine okay uh but i took punch drunk love oh yeah i was on the fence on that one because it's it's his story but when she comes in she certainly becomes an integral part of the of the film so I, yeah i took it as, because she is the object and the motivation yeah. entirely for him yeah, that yeah, yeah once she's introduced which is relatively early on yeah it becomes a duality between the two of them. But yeah, if you want to say it's his film, that's fine. Uh, right. I can give you a backup. Well, cause we don't see any separate scenes with her by herself with her friends or whatever. So the scene, the only scenes we see with her and, and his sister are when they're walking into the warehouse to talk to him. So we don't see too much of her life outside of him. So that's where I kind of, in my mind, I kind of nullified it. But if you want to keep it, it's your list, man. We've always said that. Uh, it's it's a 10. List. It's going to get knocked off anyway. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So Great movie, though. Love that movie, man. Yeah, it's, it's so strange. Like, Watson puts out quite a few movies where yeah. she's awesome in it. And then Sandler basically, like, does this every seven years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Puts out something and you're like, God, this dude is good. And now it's back to family fair that I'm never going to see. And no one seems to like outside of families that watch it. Yeah. And he does five, six in a row. And then he comes out with another one. Yeah. Meanwhile, Watson is just churning away on one good project after another. Yeah. Varying sizes of the roles. It's just such curious filmography, especially now you assume Sandler's kids are all grown. Yeah. And the reception he got from say like uncut gems, they would make yeah. the shift back into doing more of this type of fare. But punch drunk love fair. is an interesting uh, love story. Go ahead. Yeah. To be fair though, I'd love to see Emily Watson be in a Adam Sandler comedy. I think that would, could be a lot as, as a way of like stretching what she can do and maybe even getting people to kind of circle back to punch drunk love and see them in a more dramatic film. But yeah, I, I you know, I, I hear you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, Emily's always, almost always doing dramas, and Sandler only occasionally does them. But it would be funny to see her like in Grown Ups Three or some shit or something like that. It would be funny to see if she can do the comedy. And well, she's definitely going to be the straight woman in right, whatever right. scenes. Yeah, exactly. I'm assuming. I, I, yeah, I don't, yeah, exactly. I know her filmography pretty well. I can't yeah. remember once where I'm like, oh, that was a nice turn of phrase, a nice this, that, or the other, where. It, elicited a, a smile or a chuckle 
Yeah. Not saying she couldn't do it. Obviously, no, no. She's a talented actress. Uh, but it's such a interesting love story. Yeah. Between the two of them, because before he meets her, he's such a meek individual. Yeah. And she instills in him this passion and desire that alters how he kind of views and, and interacts with the world. Yeah. And you see that with the Phil Seymour Hoffman stuff. Oh and the best God. is when he walks in to his mattress store and see how Seymour Hoffman is blustering and full yeah. of gusto until he gets confronted. And then he's just like, oh, yeah. And then doesn't yeah. really have much of a, a rejoinder. Uh, but yeah, the I think the pairing of the two of them going into it, I was like, this is an interesting duo yeah, yeah and to see it on screen they have a great chemistry oh yeah genuine love you can tell they have a genuine love the characters do because of their performances yeah um all right so that's my 10 okay what's your nine my nine is uh, the long good friday oh the bob hoskins helen one yeah, nice helen mirren so she yeah. plays the individual that smooths out all his rough edges yep. but they're he's technically in charge of the gang yeah. but she seems to be like a lot of the brains of the operation uh-huh. mm-hmm. and you know, they're trying to make moves, go move up from just being a petty street game to, gang to getting up and upping their criminal, you know, uh, yeah. gang abilities, so to speak, yeah. take it more on an international uh, level between the two of them. Yeah. But it's a nice British gangster film. That's, it's a little bit quieter than you would, anticipate from a lot of gangster films because they're just building up it's i think it's closer to what real life would be knowing nothing of that world right uh as opposed to the others where there's a ton of action or just movement and and intersecting storylines and all that which is plausible but this one just more succinctly focuses on a couple individuals and their attempt at rising up above their you know, a criminal station in life. And uh, she's just such a fantastic contrast to Bob Hoskins because he is a powder keg. Yeah. And she is this refined individual that that brings them a little bit of the sophistication they need to operate on a different level. Yeah. So the duality of the two of them works well uh, in all their scenes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good movie. And I like their chemistry. And it's one of those films that, like, before Hoskins crossed over into, you know, doing some of the smaller stuff or the more family-oriented stuff, he's got a pretty brutal streak within him uh, in certain films. Like, uh, in this film, uh, Mona Lisa has a little edge to it as well. And then, um, um, what's the one that we... Oh, the um, the one with uh, Jet Li, uh, Unleashed. He's pretty scary in Unleashed. And so... He has that gear to go to it when he needs to go to it. And he's a fascinating actor to watch because, I mean, then you see him as Mr. Smee in like Hook and you're like, wow, it's a completely different thing. Or Roger mm-hmm. Rabbit or Super Mario terrible, Brothers. Yeah, Super Mario or that terrible critical con- – was it crit- Heart Condition one with Denzel? So oh, like, yeah. Yeah, he's done some – Was know, that some Deja more- Vu? That wasn't Deja Vu, was it? Deja Vu? Which one was that one? That was the one with the boat. They were set down in like New Orleans or something. And it was like oh. a time traveling. Maybe that wasn't the Harkin. Oh, the, no, John Q. John Q, right. Yeah. Was the, yeah. Uh, forces a, a hospital. Yeah, the hospital, right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. To perform. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's like a patch 
few years there where Denzel put out just kind of a bunch of forgettable yeah, movies. They were vehicles. Bone Collector. Um, what was the other one? There was another one around John Q. I mean, Deja Vu, I guess, kind of can, is right around that time as well. But yeah, he was like churning out these films. Devil in a Blue Dress. And there's a few more there that I can't think of right now that he kind of did. Oh, Out of Time, the one with Eva Mendes. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. I never yeah. saw that one. That looks so terrible. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. It just looks so bad. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole like section of that. Of that yeah, time. I've seen a lot of Denzel, but just like any actor or actress, sometimes you're like, no, I don't need to see this. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, you're like, I'm good. Yeah, it's just like, look, I love you. <laughs> whomever you are i've been a big fan of a lot of your work and i usually watch it this one this one looks terrible i'll wait for others to see it first yeah i guess yeah because i mean you've got what well i guess devil in a blue dress virtuosity that was midnight virtuosity i like even though it's, <laughs> it is terrible it's so bad it's so bad but i'm a fan i am a fan <laughs> russell crowe plays a good villain he does play a good villain he looks like he's having a fucking blast what is it? sid yeah. something point oh yeah yeah Fallen. Remember that one with him and uh, John Goodman? Oh, that's a good movie. Yeah, it's not a bad movie. Elias Cateus playing the... Yeah, it's like an evil spirit transfers yeah. from body to body and whatnot. And then uh, then The Siege. Yeah. Which was okay. Then Bone Collector, then Hurricane. Remember the Titans, Training Day. So there's that, there's that three-film run there. Then John Q, Antoine Fisher, Out of Time. Then Back to Man on Fire. Then Manchurian Canada, Inside Man, Deja Vu. So, yeah, it's interesting. Like, he's just, you know, kind of... Uh, yeah, nice it's inherent look. in the process. Not all of yeah. them can be winners. Yeah. He slowed down a little bit, though, in the back half of the 2010s because it's only, like, one movie a year. Um, really. But so. But it seems at this point just doing Oscar fair. Yeah. Yeah, like, I did like the Macbeth film. Macbeth. It was good in Macbeth. I like yeah, that. but it's just prestige projects yeah. seem to be what he's doing as of late. Yeah, yeah. Which... I think he's earned that right. I didn't see Little Things. I should see that at some point. I didn't hear good things, so I didn't watch it. But um, maybe I should see it. Give it a chance. Him and Leto. Um, oh, uh, it's okay. Yeah? Yeah. It's okay. All right. Yeah. There's an interesting movie, a really interesting movie in there. It's watchable, but I. Right. it doesn't blow you away. Okay. Yeah. Came out the beginning of the pandemic, and I was like, yeah, yeah. Been Remember that. I looked forward to it. Watched it, and was like, meh, you know. <laughs> Killed a couple hours. Um, all right. What's your number uh, eight? Uh, my number eight is Gone Girl. Ooh, that's a punt. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so my number 10 is Circle of Friends with Mini Driver. Okay. This was the film that kind of announced Mini Driver before Goodwill Hunting. Uh, and this is one of those independent. Uh, uh, it's an Irish drama. She's a British actress born in London. She's a British actress. But she plays an Irish girl who has a relationship with uh, Chris O'Donnell. But she's kind of this is when Minnie was a little bit heavier. So she's playing the kind of like I'm not the attractive girl in the group type thing because Saffron Burroughs is her friend. And she's, of course, you know, tall and skinny. And I think she's a was a model for a while. Um, so it's that kind of um, story that's being told here. And I remember watching this film and I've seen it a couple times, actually. And really enjoying it. It's you know she's good, damn good in it. You know, kind of confronting the idea. Her mom or her family kind of confront 
her about her weight and she pushes back and, and, you know, she's trying to establish herself and find her own voice, even though it seems like all these other areas are, are, are criticizing her. She's kind of figuring out how to stand on her own. And in this relationship with Chris O'Donnell, who does, you know, kind of stray from her, mm-hmm. what she, how she navigates that and ends up have, getting it, the relationship on her own terms. And so I, I thought it was a really well done, one of these kind of sw- uh, smaller films, and she's fantastic in it. And uh, she drives the energy because she is the main uh, actress or main character in the film. And so, yeah. I can't remember who directed it either. <clears throat> yeah. I have not seen it. I don't okay. even remember it. Yeah, it came um, out in 95. Yeah, Goodwill was my introduction. I thought about Gross Point Blank. Oh uh, yeah, but that's that's it's yeah. Cusack's movie. Yeah, it really is. Even though yeah. she's a very strong energy in the movie, it is Cusack's movie. Yeah, just couldn't get myself to rationalize. Yeah, yeah. The guy who directed it did "Inventing the Abbott," "Sweet November," "The January Man," the so, Nick Cage one. Which one? No, "January Man" is the Kevin Klein one. Remember that one with him and Oh uh, yeah, okay. Master Antonio. I think it was way back when but yeah so but yeah i like the film it certainly holds up if people want to go back and like watch it it is a 95 film but it is an irish film and so it's that kind of independent film movement vibe to it um and i think it's it's really well done uh so you know mini driver is my number 10 there um so then my number nine yeah and colin firth is in it as well of course he is because he's in every funny one yeah <laughs> my number nine is a more recent one and that is emma the one with, oh yeah, yeah, Anya Taylor Joy. Yeah, the one with Anya Taylor Joy. I, I went to go see a screening of that because I, I was very lucky to get to interview Johnny Flynn, and um, I really, really enjoyed the movie and enjoyed her in the movie. And um, I'm not really the target audience for a fucking Jane Austen adaptation, what? but I found myself enjoying the hell out of the movie, and her performance is really good. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, uh, and you know, everybody around the whole film is damn good. And Bill Nagy's funny. Um, God, who else? Oh yeah. Johnny Flynn is really, really good in it as well. There's a couple other actors that I know. Oh yeah. The guy who plays Prince Charles in the crown. He's funny as kind of this priest who has feelings for Emma, but Emma's rejecting her, him. So it's, it's actually a really well done version. I, you know, the Paltrow one's okay. And there's a couple other ones that have come out, but this is the one that I really, really enjoyed. And uh, it was, it, they modernized it a little bit, uh, but not in a way that took away the vibe of the film, you know, and the, and the where it's set. So um, that yeah, would be my number nine. She does. I mean, so far yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't find one for her, for me. Yeah. That full on lead. Right. But uh, I think give it a couple of years. Oh, and yeah. she'll have uh, several choices uh, just because she's rightly getting offered parts left and right. She's been, I mean, it's it's tough for me to conjure something that I've seen her in that she wasn't good in. Right. Yeah. Like Queen's uh, Gambit is fantastic, that series. Yeah. Um, and then Northman. She was fucking great in the Northman. I couldn't uh, get into that one. Really? Oh, man. I loved it, dude. That's loved what. Yeah. Look, every guy I know our age, <laughs> she's fully erect for that. Yeah, movie. exactly. The whole time, the whole time, and I watched it and I was like, I don't, I don't get it. What am I missing here? It's a little, it's a little weird. 
<laughs> it's just like the Green Knight walking out of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I love the Green Knight. Exactly. It <laughs> should be it should be everything I want in a movie, and yet <laughs> Northman as well. Maybe you're no longer into old period pieces. Maybe you've moved on. Maybe you could Yeah, I sincerely doubt that. <laughs> really? Okay. Sincerely right. doubt that. Well, I look forward to the day one of them uh, catches you. Catches you. Um, all right, so then my number eight is a Tilden, Tilda Swinton film. And I, and I saw this one back in the 90s as well. This is when I first saw Tilda in anything. Um, because I'd read it in, the, in, the, in like EW or one of those magazines. Like, this is a film you got to go see. And again, this is one of those independent films. It's called The Deep End, um, and I remember seeing it in the theater, and it was a damn good film that's an interesting exploration of uh, a mother trying to protect her child from uh, her teenage son from uh, getting wrapped up in a murder investigation. So she's essentially a blue blood living out there, which is a really rare thing to see Tilda Swinton play, like a regular woman, you know? Mm -hmm. She is married to, oh God, I can't remember the guy, but he's a pilot and he's out of town. And you find out that she, you know, that her son has been having an affair with a 30-year-old guy who runs a nightclub. And uh, the guy is Josh Lucas, the older guy. And so this kid is the teenage son um, when uh, Tilda Swinton finds out about it, she can, she goes to the club. So she's like this suburban mom showing up at this club to confront Josh Lucas. She doesn't find him. Uh, and then um, Josh Lucas hears about it through somebody at the club, goes to talk to the kid. They meet up. They have a fight, a, a verbal fight, then a physical fight. And Josh Lucas accidentally slips off the walkway and impales himself on an anchor. Um, so the kid freaks out, tells the mom. The mom comes over and hides the body because she doesn't want her son to be possibly be investigated for murder. But then the, a couple days later, the guy from uh, ER, the Gorin Visionist guy, that guy, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he shows up and he's got a tape of them making out and having sex, the two guys. And so she tells Tilda Swinton, you got to give me $50,000 or I'm going to turn this over to the cops. And so that begins this whole thing of how she has to navigate <clears throat> all these moving pieces in order to save her son. And it's fantastic. It is such a good film, man. And she's great in something you rarely see a Tilda Swinton play. I'm so, writing that one down. Yeah. It's really good, man. Uh, 96, 97, I think it was. But I, I, you know, I remember going to yeah. see it. In the I mean, going through her filmography, I was like, ah, "Shit, oh. she's awesome in this, but it's such a small part." Yeah. And sorry, two thousand one, two thousand one. That's when it came out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I highly almost made time to go see Three Thousand Years Long just because <laughs> she's fantastic every time she's on. Screen. Oh yeah, please. She creates an interesting character yeah. always. So, but I looking through her filmography is like I this I skimmed over amongst others because it's like I haven't seen it and yeah 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 uh, I don't know and there's only so much time and I know for a fact she's a lead in this one and it's currently tracking at this kind of percentage yeah uh so yeah that's good reco yeah dude if you want yeah I'm curious to hear your thoughts man yeah because it came out two thousand one. so you know it's it's not that uh I know it's twenty one years ago but it's not that 
far in the past. So um, I think she's great in it. Um, all right, what's your seven? <clears throat> uh, my number seven is probably going to be a punt, but Eternal Sunshine. I didn't put it on the list. Why not? Because it's a two-hand. It's not a two-hand. It's his story. Oh, see, I... But I hear what you're saying. So... I think it's a two... It's a co-lead situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yin and a yang. You can't have one without the other. That's a good point. Like, you could say it's his story, but then what is he erasing? What's the point? What's the... Why is he doing any of this? Hmm. But you could replace everybody else in the movie except for these two yeah yeah it's true no it's a good point it's a good point um because it's joel who's doing the erasing she's already erased him so it's joel's journey through the movie of erasing her that's the that's the 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 way i looked at it which is why i didn't put it on my list but again it's your list dude and i love that movie so i will never tell you not to put it on the list yeah no i i understand what you're saying but I'm, i'm looking at it as the what is the catalyst? What is the motivation? Yeah. Why is he doing any and all oh, of this? Totally. Because her, and she's in, you know, all these memories that he's going through yep. a race and You're right. everything he's going to do. Right. Uh, and Winslet up to that point, I mean, this is a, a departure from the characters we normally saw her play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She lobbied so, hard for this one, apparently. Did she? Yeah, she apparently was like all over this guy, like calling him all the time, the director, Michelle Gondry. She was just like, she knew what kind of role this was for her in her career. And so she wasn't going to take no for an answer. And apparently she lobbied so fucking hard to get, I'm glad she did, man, because she's excellent in the movie and she is not who you'd initially think at the time, as you said, Matt, that's a great point at the time in her career that this movie happened, you weren't necessarily thinking of Kate Winslet for these modern films. She's kind of like the Keira Knightley disease. She had done these kind of period pieces. And you just got stuck in that. Yeah. 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 So, and plus, knowing where she's evolved over the, the past two decades mm-hmm, since, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like, well, of course she did that because yeah. she's shown so much range. But of the other ones, because you could you could give me The Reader or several others where she got nominated for yeah. Best Lead Oscar. Yeah, This one to me is more memorable in a co-lead situation. Understood. Uh, it was more impactful for me sure. than sure. all the others. Uh even though she's awesome in all those, it's Kate Winslet. Yeah. This is the one where looking through her filmography, it's like, I'm not going to take this one over this. Yeah. Or this one over this. This one is the most memorable to me. Right. Uh, I, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, no, no. But I understand your point, too. She's her like, it'd be different if he was just watching the memories, but she's interacting with him. Yeah, he's experiencing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. She's um, in the memory and outside the memory at the same time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great point. And to see why the two of them fell in love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And why it would cause so much pain that you would initially think, I need to erase this to escape the pain. Yeah. But you'd be a lesser individual for not having gone through and remembering what those experiences were. Yeah. It's That's so why the pain hurts so much. Exactly. It's so funny you bring this movie up because I, I was thinking about it the other day. Uh, last week, uh, when I was in the throes of my mania of the illness, and I was thinking, man, I, how come there's not a 4K of this one? And then I looked it up, and there is a 4K um, by Kino Lorber, but you have to order it like through them. They don't put it out on like Amazon. I mean, it's available on Amazon, but they upcharge you, and they don't. You mm-hmm. don't see it in the in the stores. 
So I went to their website and they were having a Labor Day sale and I got it for like 23 bucks. And so it's coming, but it was so weird that I, you know, this is the steps I had to go through just to get a 4k version of the, cause I think it's produced. I think they did it in Europe and then they opened it up to release in the States with the adjustment of the code. Um, oh, there. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, massively being distributed. So I'm very much looking forward to getting it and seeing what the transfer looks like. Um, hopefully, I think I'm supposed to get it sometime tomorrow. So I'm very curious to see it. So, yeah, I, I love that movie, dude. I, I've owned it in, I think, every possible iteration, like from VHS to DVD to, to Blu-ray. Uh, that came out in VHS? I think so. Cause, right? Because it's like two, still 2000s. Okay. I mean, it's, that's totally believable. Probably two, yeah, 2004. Oh, wow. Really? It came out in VHS in 2004? I think, I think so. Let me I see. The I'm shift, it was entirely like it was. I couldn't get rid of my VHSs by 2004. <laughs> the idea that they're selling it. it, it totally. It's, it's plausible because yeah. not everybody had updated, I guess, at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, see, I see the 4K. It's $25 on Amazon. Uh, and there's only 10 left in stock. But it, it it's going to take a week to get to you wherever you order it. And it's not on Prime, so you have to, like, pay, pay the, the shipping. shipping. Yeah, yeah. So it's fascinating. No, maybe right. Yeah, here it is, VHS, on VHS, on Amazon, for $32. That's crazy. And the DVD is 7 and the Blu-ray is 10 I'm always fascinated that this wasn't turned into a Criterion. This one seems perfect for a Criterion collection, like an exploration, a French director. Um, you know, it just seems to fit the Criterion. The Criteria for Criterion? Yeah, the Criteria for Criterion, yes. <laughs> I it's, I always, anytime someone says, why haven't they done that? It's, it's got to be just pure economics. Yeah, Probably. But just there's the so demand many, isn't high enough, and they're just not so many obscure here. films they do though in 4K and in criteria or in, yeah, perhaps it's infinitely cheaper, yeah, for them to do that as opposed to trying to get the rights to internationally re-release. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Could be a holdout from producer doesn't want it done. True. Very true. Very true. I don't know why that producer would do that, but <laughs> considering they're in the business, their their job is to make the film money. Yeah. Dude, I'm looking at at a, at a pictures of it on on VHS on eBay. You can get it on eBay for fifty bucks. Fifty dollars on VHS. Is there a new market for VHS? Are we is what old new again? Is that what's going on here? Well, I know there's a push within some VHS circles because really certain things have not nor will ever be transferred to digital. Oh yeah, that's true. So there's a ton of titles on VHS that if you don't own the VHS, they don't exist. Right. Good point. So there's an entire market of individuals that collect VHS for that, who have huge catalogs because that DVDs, digital, whatever, do not exist for a ton of films, especially any kind of B-level yeah, uh, right. movies from the 80s and stuff. Yeah, you can yeah. only find that on VHS because no one's going to pay to put it out in another format. Jesus. I tossed all of mine into the fucking trash. Oh yeah, I gave I gave all I had two boxes, gave them all yeah. away. Yeah, finally right. somebody was willing to take them. It's like, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's what I did. I sold them at a yard sale. I think they were just like a whole 
thing. And I was like, 20 bucks for the entire, just take it all, you know, just to get it off my hands. Yeah. It was taking up space. I think I did that with my cassettes as well, my cassette tapes. I don't have any of those anymore. Yeah, I'm not as old as you, so I didn't have the cassette <laughs> Plus, you're not a physical media any guy. So anyway, so well, there was a point in my life there you had no choice. I yeah, I took all my CDs to Amoeba, sold what I could, and oh yeah, got, got rid of the rest. Right. And oh, then, uh, Amoeba was the worst. I see those on. dudes with like fucking baskets of shit, and then poor guys have to like go through it and yes, no, all that nonsense. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I'll give you a quarter. Fine. Just take it. Just take it please. Don't fucking want it. Just take it. You know what? Store credit. Just give me store credit. I'll probably buy something here. To no, because I'm trying to get rid of physical media. <laughs> Just give me 25 cents or $2 store credit. Just give me the 25 cents, man. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> I paid 75 cents to park on the street, so we're almost to free parking. <laughs> we're almost to free fucking go. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> Um, all right, where are we at? You're we your six. My six. My okay. six uh, is the impossible with Naomi Watts. Oh, nice choice. I have not seen that one, so I couldn't put it on my list. Please go ahead. Um, wow, really? I thought you had seen that one. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of you. You know if you've seen it. Yeah. Right. A tsunami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crushes a nation, and then her and her family get split apart, and yeah. she has to take one child. And try and find her husband and their other kid. I guess it's more the no. I have seen it. I think it's more the matter of like, it's not one I go back to. So I didn't even consider it for this list. I think that's the more accurate. I have seen it because Tom Holland and yeah, young remember, Tom Holland. Yeah, I remember the drama and controversy around the film as well. You know, we're seeing the we're seeing how this impacted a white family. Yeah, in um, the midst of an entire nation of Indians yeah. that were impacted by this. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. But no, it's a. I remember being a good. Based film. on a true story, yeah. this the family was you know on holiday. Yeah, but like God, early on, she gets a nasty gash in her thigh, and then she yeah. has to walk around in waist deep, just putrid water, willing herself to find her family again and come, you know, to save everyone. It's, I mean, it, an indelible movie. Yeah, I remember seeing it in the theater and just be utterly blown away because you know we've all seen the videos and whatnot of the waves rolling in those are insane but to see it cinematically you feel like one one thousandth of what it really be like yeah kind of like saving private ryan they're storming the beaches at normandy like you get a sense of what it is but no real idea yeah and this because of the sound system and the scope of the screen and all that you get a sense of how massive an event like this is and how really tiny you are in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Uh, But it's always stuck with me. I mean, it cemented the idea in my head that she's excellent. Yeah. Damn good actress. Yeah. I always liked her. And then you see her in something like this. It's akin to me to like Tom Hanks and Castaway. Mm. How many people can I watch practically singularly? Yeah. Yeah on screen as they struggle uh, to achieve a goal. And it's, yeah. it's a limited run of individuals. Yeah. And she was just so good in the movie. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. I tried to find something with her. I guess it just didn't hit me. And then 
Um, I thought of Eastern Promises, but I was like, no, nah, so it's, 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 it's his film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, I, she's it's, a strong energy. But yeah. I mean, she is the one that seeks out and whatnot. But yeah. I think once it gets to anytime gangsters are on screen, they steal all the focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. Um, so it was like, yeah, I wrote it down too, but I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go with the impossible. Yeah. Um, all right. So those are six. <clears throat> all right. So then yeah. my seven uh, is Coda. I the even... recent best picture winner because Amelia Jones is British. Oh, she's British. Hold on. Give me one sec. Go yeah, ahead. Sure. Start off. Yeah. So I like the movie so much. Uh, and uh, do I think it's the best picture of last year? No. But, I, you know, I'm not going to begrudge it winning because of the subject matter and because of uh, the actors involved in it. But she's great. She's fantastic as the lead in the film. Young actor. I'd never, I don't think I've seen her in anything before I saw that movie. Or if I did, it was ensemble stuff. And then I saw her in the movie, and she was so good in carrying that story and telling the tale. And she, it's, it's told in a way that is, um, it's not lifetime. It's a family that has their issues. They have strong reactions to each other in certain moments. And her being the only one that can actually hear and speak, um, you know, because of her hearing, uh, allows you to uh, understand both sides of it. What it must be like to have her in the family and then what it must be like to be her in the family. And I thought the film did a really great job of exploring both sides of that without pulling any punches. And so that when you have the tender moments near the end of the movie, they're so earned by mm. what you've done in showing a more realistic family than copping out to having a lifetime family where everyone's so supportive and shit. Yeah. It's more realistic where they're selfish. They want her to stay because their business is important to exist. And without her, they're afraid, you know, they're just, they're afraid of change and she wants to break out and see if there's a whole nother world for her. And so it's the struggle. Um, and there's no new concept. We've seen that in other films, but just the way it was presented in a deaf community, I thought, and then the fishing community, of course, up there in New England, I thought it was really well done uh, overall as a film. And again, I don't think it's the best picture of last year, but I don't begrudge it winning. What's your choice? Ooh, what would be my choice from last year? Let me think about that. It was up against, basically, it was that versus Power of the Dog. Well, I would have taken Power of the Dog. I fucking hated that movie. I loved Power of the Dog. I don't know what to It's tell you. terrible. People didn't like it. In no way does that stupid twist at the end justify <laughs> the interminable, slow, dull pace <laughs> of the rest of that movie. Uh, is it, I, and I, I guess the fucking twist, it's not really a twist, but I guessed what it was going to be long before. And I was like, that was not worth it. It was so not worth it. Okay, so Nightmare Alley in no way. Don't look up. No thanks. Dune. I loved it, but I don't think it's the best. It would have won. No. Drive My Car was excellent, but it kind of in the. It's a three-hour movie. There's yeah. a, in that middle area is a tough to watch. Belfast is great, but I don't think it's quite a best picture. Licorice Pizza, fuck that nonsense. No, I guess West Side Story would be my choice, or Power of the Dog. Either one of those two films, I think, deserved the Oscar over Coda. But again, I'm not going to begrudge Coda winning. Because how it's a rare film that is telling a grand story within a small um, approach, and I thought it was pretty cool. You know, it was really well. I love, done. I love that Marley Matlin was a prick. Oh yeah, she's great. I, she's she's yeah. a sweetheart in yeah. everything. <laughs> so to make her ostensibly the villain, yeah, I loved it. I was like, oh, what a great little twist yeah. for her because you just assume she's going to be this nurturing. Yeah, individual, and she's the one that's 
pulling her down yeah. as much as she can. Because as afraid. you brought up, the fear of change, yeah. she fears it the most. Yeah, and she, you know, when you see Children of a Lesser Dog, which is the, uh, sorry, Children of a Lesser God. God. <laughs> God. Uh, that's, that film, I love that film from the 1980s. She's got a mean streak in that film too. So I like that she, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. I like that she brings those elements to certain roles. I like when they pop up. Because you're right, most of the time she's a great ensemble actress, occasional lead, co-lead or whatever. And she's a sweetheart and certainly a, a, a good person in most of the films. But when she gets to kind of indulge in a little bit of the darker stuff or the angrier stuff, she can go there in a way that's really believable and fun to see um, uh, as an actress. So, yeah. And I forgot um, yeah. the lead actress was British. Yeah, Amelia Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So then my number six is Rogue One because Felicity Jones is British. That is a punt. Oh, that's a punt. Nice. All right. She is the fucking undoubted lead of that movie absolutely absolutely uh yeah that is a point all right so we'll take take, yeah take a quick break hear this word from our sponsor be right back after this all right there we are now let's jump into our top fives so my five yeah is the last duel oh nice choice jody comer it's all about her no, you're right. It's kind of a three lead film. You're absolutely right. Three lead, absolutely right. But in, yeah, in reality, it's all about her. Yeah, it really is. You're right. Fuck, I should have thought of that one. Damn and it! All right, good choice. Awesome. And it, what is it? This like her fourth film? Yeah, if that. Yeah. yeah, it's like this free guy, and I think two other movies. Yeah, and she more than holds her own with, you know, uh, longtime movie star Matt Damon. And burgeoning it leading man, Adam Driver. Although I think we're past the burgeoning. Um, and she, I mean, she is absolutely captivating to see this story told from three different perspectives. Yeah. And I love the slight twist each mm-hmm. time you see certain scenes from different persons' perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How in one, oh, it's this individual brokered the peace between the two. Right. And then in the other one, it's this. Yeah. And when it gets to her interpretation of events. Yeah. Um, and then that little, uh, the title card they put up for in between each, and then they get to hers and whatever it is, it's like the story instead yeah. of just his story, his story, the story saying, <laughs> well, if anybody knows what actually happened, yeah, uh, it's going to be the one that's, thrust in the middle of this but i mean she is flat out awesome it is hard to believe that she hasn't been in movies for 20 years she's just one of those that you know because she's done a lot of british television up until kind of like olivia coleman a lot of british television and then boom a, a film just comes along that really kind of shows you what they can do and for her it was killing eve and then right into last duel and she's great in Last Duel. She's she's good in Free Guy as well. She's a lot of fun in Free Guy. Yeah. And so, like yeah, I mean, she's just one of those actresses that kind of has come into her own now and is getting a lot of attention from Hollywood for her abilities and her fearlessness as an actress. And being able to go toe-to-toe with Driver and Damon, like it ain't no big deal, that's a certain kind of gift. And so she certainly has that. And uh, you got to respect it when you're watching it on screen. Especially those 
really intense scenes with Driver. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. When they're in their bedroom, uh, and he's chasing her around the yeah. castle or whatever. I guess it would be a castle. Yeah. Um, just the back and forth and the intensity in those scenes. Yeah, because you could easily default to write her as like a badass, and she's able to figure it all out. Yeah. But no, they showed her as a woman who you know uh, understands the situation that she's in in this patriarchal world. Uh, tries to make it work with Damon, even though she knows that he's you know kind of inadequate for what she needs or would like. And then the stuff with Driver, you see her struggling with her strength to fight him off, mm-hmm. and then having to kind of. Uh, negotiate it, for lack of a better term, the things that are happening to it. And, and it, it didn't feel exploitive. It felt like you were watching. You, they wanted you to watch this person go through this so that yeah. you could understand the horrific nature of it. And you could make a determination as to what yeah. you think happened. Yep. Because yep. ultimately, we don't know. Right. And, you know, they have this duel and basically it's let God decide. It's literally he said, he said, she said. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. And I think at another time, this might have just been, let's look at it from the two guys' perspective. Yeah. yeah. And she is the object of their affection. Right. But it's really about these two guys butting heads. Yeah. And to see the interplay between all the stories and put the focus on her and what transpired and happened to her, I think yeah. was just brilliant. Yeah. And Really well written, really well directed. Yeah. I can't believe this didn't get more buzz for best picture. I, I just you didn't get nominated for a shit. It's, it's such I mean, movie. overall, I was I one of my favorite movies of last year. Oh yeah. This would crush licorice pizza for me out of the fucking conversation for best picture. I think this should have absolutely replaced it. I guess I guess in my opinion, in my opinion. I mean, I realize you have a hate for licorice pizza. I, I really, why would I pick on <laughs> It's licorice pizza. And I love PTA. I love PTA, but yet I have to hate on this film. I just have to. Um, all right. That was your five, right? That was my five. So then my five is Emily Watson in Breaking the Waves. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have this on criteria. I, I saw this movie and I immediately developed this massive crush on Emily Watson, man. I mean, I just had this. Come out of movies like this woman is beautiful. She's gorgeous. You know, she's exactly, um, you know, incredibly talented. But she's exactly who I would love to meet if, at the time in my life, at that time in my life, I like, would love to meet someone like this and you know have a relationship. She was just so there's something about her that was so incredible. And the film really um, just tasks you when you're watching it because it's such an unusual film. And this is right at the begin. This is also right around where the independent movement made a bit of a shift in the early 2000s. And it, I, I can't remember what the name of this movement is, this Dutch movement that is about like real life and showing you the brutality of real life. It's, there's a name for it, and I can't think of it right now offhand. But um, this is from Lars von Trier. And she's a woman who lives, I think she's Scottish in the film. And uh, Stellan Skarsgård is this Swedish dude who works on a ship. The ship docks at their port they start a relationship or they've been having a relationship. I think she does care about him. She loves him. And he becomes crippled halfway through the movie or a quarter of the way through the movie because of an accident on the ship. So he tells her like, I want you to go and I don't want you to be unable to have sex or be unable to experience pleasure because of my 
paralysis. So I want you to go and, you know, have sex with men and come back and tell me about it. And let's, you know, connect in that way. Because our obviously our affection for each other is there, but we can't share it physically. So I want you, well, and it becomes a thing where sh- it's a battle between whether this really uh, uh, religious town sees her as, you know, kind of promiscuous versus her freedom to do what she wants to do as a, as a human being. But because she's a woman, they find judgment because if a man was doing this, they wouldn't give two shits. So you see this and the road it goes down. Um, and it's sadly, it's a tragic ending, but it is an incredible exploration. And, and it, as I said, it tests you as a viewer, like how much you can handle because the film is pretty brutal as it goes along, even though it's got this like real genuine connection between them, genuine love between them. And it is a hell of an act to say, go have sex with other men because I don't want you to lose pleasure in life because of my limits because of this accident. So it's just a very, very interesting film. And she's great in the movie. Great in the movie. Yeah. It's hard to find a movie she's not. Yeah, true. Like, go watch Red Dragon, which yeah, is right? a decent movie. She's so good in that But movie. she yeah. is so good yeah. in yeah. that movie. There's a bunch of really good performances in an otherwise just fine yeah. film. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've just choice after choice that she makes. Like, wow, that was really interesting. I like that movie a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad she made both of our lists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The movement is the Dogma 95 movement. That's also where you saw, like, um, what's the one with um, Nicole Kidman where they just basically drew lines oh, the on Lars the Lars von Trier one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember what the name of that one was. Oh, Because they drew the lines on the stage, and then there was a sequel. Didn't that have uh, Dog in the name? Bryce Dallas Howard. Oh, God. What was that called? Yeah, Dancer in the Dark is another one that's from that movement with uh, What's-Her-Face? Bjork. Yeah, was, I mean, it's basically like a, you're just blocking out the scenes. Like oh, Dogville. You're right. Dogville Dog, was yeah, in the Dog trailer. something. Yep, Dogville, and then the sequel, Manderley, uh, with Bryce Dallas Howard playing the Nicole Kidman character in the sequel. So, yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, I really enjoyed that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So, I loved her in that movie. Loved her in that movie. Um, all right, what's your four, Bob? Uh, my four is The Punt, Rogue One. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, she's the lead. Yeah, please. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it focuses on the Empire showing up and she's got to flee as a child to then her escaping that prison camp and then leading the rebels on. Yeah. You know, uh, the journey to steal the Death Star's plans. It's entirely from the perspective of her. She's the lead of the, the ensemble cast. It is an ensemble cast. It is. But she is undoubtedly the focus of attention yeah. in that movie yeah and she's awesome in it yeah she's so good you know dude again as i said earlier this was the worst two weeks to get fucking covid because the thing came out in imax 3d rogue one and i wanted to see it and i could not go see it because of i was just wrecked and so i'm so sad i missed it because i love this movie so much and she's so good in the movie other films i've seen her in i don't quite gravitate to them as like on the basis of sex and a couple of the films it was good they're fine yeah exactly yeah. but this she's so good here and even if you watch the first trailer there's like a whole other movie 
that she's even more hard ass in that I would love to have seen or find a, or get a copy of it. But I, in this film, she's just as good with the adjustments they made and where they wanted the film to go. And you s- see the genuine connection she has with her father. I mean, the scene with her and, and uh, Mads Mikkelsen is so damn good, but her back and forth with, um, with Cassian carries so much weight as well. And, and the interactions with uh, Forrest Whitaker and I know some people didn't like him as the Sagara or that Sagara character in that version there, but like yeah, I, thought it was good. I thought it was great. And so I liked to yeah, see you could tell that there was something left on the cutting room floor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was incomplete, but yeah. that was good. Yeah, and I wonder how much of it is gonna slide into Andor. I wonder how much of the elements of Saw and what happened to Saw and all of that will be a part of Andor those two seasons. Um and we'll see starting next week. But yeah. Um but yeah, she's so good in the movie. Damn good! I I don't think I'd re- seen her in anything that I can that I could have recalled at the time, but since then I've watched her and stuff because I just I like her energy as an actress. All right, uh, so that was uh, my four. Okay, or six. Yes. Uh, oh, so the my four is the Kate Winslet choice. My Kate Winslet choice, which is Little Children. Sure. Yeah, love this movie. Well, how can I say this? Girl? I want to say I love this movie, but. She's great in the movie. The movie is incredible. And again, another slog of a movie in terms of the emotional journey you're going on because she's a frustrated housewife. And it's the whole film is narrated by like a guy you've heard on A&E or Frontline. The guy who does Frontline. That's it. The guy who does Frontline narrates this movie. And she's a frustrated housewife. And she has an affair with Patrick Wilson, who is in an unhappy marriage. Oh, and by the way, uh, there's a former child molester, a pedophile, who has moved into the neighborhood, moved back out of after getting out of jail, back into his mom's house, and that's Jackie Earl Haley. And so she is navigating all of this stuff throughout the movie and what she's going mm-hmm. through and the emotional journeys and what have you. Uh, and I, I think she's so good in the movie and the driving force of this movie. Um, and incredible to watch. And you, this is yet again one of those films where you're like, wow, I, I didn't think Kate Winslet would gravitate to this kind of material. And then you see her in it and she's so natural in it that you're like, yeah, it's actually, it actually makes so much sense. She's so fucking good. I mean, there's elements of her performance in Mayor of Easttown in this movie. And so I, I really enjoy her work in Little Children. I think the movie overall is a damn good movie as well. Yeah, she's Mayor of Easttown was stellar. Yeah. I want them to do a season two, and I, yet I don't know how you do a season yeah. two. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I want them to bring it back, and yet simultaneously, it's just like, why don't we just let this one lie? <laughs> yeah. Just find another vehicle for her. Sit this one out, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if they find a way, great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I am skeptical, but at the same time, I, I will happily watch because yeah. she was n- nothing short of awesome. He's he's only done Todd Field has only done like two or three films. Like he did in the bedroom, which I thought was great in two thousand one, and then Little Children in two thousand six. And he hasn't done shit since then until this year. Uh, the film Tar is coming out with Kate Blanchett in the lead, which mm-hmm. uh, I think I see a screening of it next week. So I'm very because a lot of people coming out of Venice said she was incredible in that movie. So he may I, not yeah, he can't, do much. Can't believe that bullshit. <laughs> well, I wasn't talking about the ovations. I was just talking. Yeah, but all of it. It's just like the hype and everything. Oh, this is the most amazing. This is incredible. And she's yeah. like, I, uh, I will hold. 
these things are weight. You're not gonna. Well, I'll see it on my own, but it, yeah. any it just the praise is always over the top from. Yeah. A couple of film festivals in particular. Yeah. I just don't know how he pays his bills. How does this guy pay his bills? I don't know. Maybe he shoots a bunch of commercials or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe because I mean, like, he's only written a couple, a few things. He's an actor, but he hasn't acted in much since two thousand five. He was a voice in the Aqua Teen Hunger Force series. He's one of the, a, a recurring character in that series. Really? <laughs> what hilarious. character? Drippy. Dr- old Drippy. Old Drippy. I don't even remember Old Drippy. Neither do I. I'd have to see a picture of him. Yeah, so anyway, she's great in this film. It's a damn good film, so I put it at my number four. What's your three? Uh, my three is Mary Poppins. <laughs> Go ahead, my man. Knock yourself out. An all-time classic? <laughs> is this and the sound of music for Julie Andrews on my list? Uh, fair, fair. But I watch Mary Poppins. I'll watch that many more times than I will yeah. sound of music again. I've seen sound of music. We used to play once a year when we were kids right. on ABC, I think it was. Um, but Mary Poppins to me still has the magic and uh, wonder. Not to the degree that when I was young, when I watched it, but it still brings a lot of that. And uh, I don't know, she's just such an indelible character. And Julie mm-hmm. Andrews really brings it to life that it's crossed numerous generations now. Yeah, yeah. And even my young nieces and nephews have seen Mary oh, wow. Poppins. Well, that's cool. I, see, I, I think it's one of those where it, if your family watches Disney movies, which yeah. most kids' families do just because they have kind of cornered the market on that yeah invariably you kind of move down the line like oh what are some others uh because i don't know that bed knobs and broomsticks is going to be watched by the kids. <laughs> right right but i think mary poppins still has a lot of the fantasy and fun elements it's going to draw in and it's got a great story uh on top of that and she yeah. is nothing short of of captivating and mesmerizing in the lead role Absolutely. Um, so I, I figured you know get something in that's not as recent because I've got a lot of recency bias on my list. Yeah. Um, but I also think there's been more opportunities over the past 20 years. Oh yeah. I so. think that's, I think that's the reason why there's so many recent films on both of our lists because there've been more opportunities for British women to lead films uh, in ways that they haven't in the past. I mean, I went through a hundred best films, English films, and like there was only three or four where a woman was the lead. And so I was, it's like Jesus Christ! I mean, how can you not go through that list and think there's a, there was a huge problem with misogyny in Hollywood for many many years? So yeah, um, but yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, Mary Poppins. What are you say? What are you gonna say? I, I think right, we one got it, uh... best picture. I think um, my it's the punt from earlier. My number three, Gone Girl. Okay, I love that film, dude. Love that film. And Rosamund Pike is so good in that movie, and it's. She's definitely, in my opinion, the lead more than Affleck because, as you said, she is the driving force for this whole movie. Um, oh, yeah. And she does get her own vignette, her own story told within the movie. And we see things through her eyes, through her perspective. And we have many scenes without Ben Affleck in it. So she is very much a the lead of the film, possibly co-lead if you want to have that argument. But like, she is very much a lead either way. And so... Her, her throughout the film, it is so sweet 
through Ben Affleck's recollection. And then when you see how things change and you see her, I mean, that scene where she hits her face with the hammer, I'm like, oh my God, the level of madness. And then the scene where she's faking her assault from Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. It is scary to see a woman do that as a man. You're just like, oh my God. Just like, uh, as I say, the fatal attraction is the natural, it's the natural successor to fatal attraction. And both of those films, if you're a dude, is a horror. They're horror films. They're absolute horror films. Because that shit can actually happen. And so that makes it even For more sure. scarier. You know? Yeah, that it's realistic, especially yeah. as a blonde woman. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Had it, had it been any other ethnicity or hair color, yeah. I think it makes it much less believable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a blonde white woman are going to get an undue amount of media attention, which yep. is going to fuel this story even more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 that is a a horror film. It's scary as shit. Just Carrie Coon's reaction as Affleck's sister when she realizes he's going to go back to her, like her just absolute shock and horror and frustration that her brother is going to be stuck in the cycle with this woman, the cycle for as long as this woman as she wants, as she wants, and yeah. and she can't do a fucking thing about it, and neither can Ben. Yes, yeah, exactly. Ben, oh man, he's caught in her web. Yeah, and there's just just a matter of time yeah. before she eats you. And and don't get me, he's no he's no innocent Ben. No, no, but, no. But damn, what a what a punishment. Yeah, but it, yeah, is he so bad that he deserves something like this? Yeah, well, we exactly. don't see that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he was in other parts of the story that we didn't see. Yeah, yeah. but not to the degree uh, that it looks like things aren't going to go well for him. Yeah, I've I, you know. I've dated some unstable people in my in my twenties, and it's it's. I've never never anything like that for me, thank God. Yeah, no, 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 no nothing like this. No, but like, you, there were elements of the movie that you're like, oh, I can see. It reminds me. I see twinges. I see echoes of what I experienced in certain moments, you know. And, and look, and, and again, I was no, you know, I wasn't the most stable guy either. But like seeing some, but I none of that stuff, and so seeing some of that inclination to create an alternate reality of the truth you're just like whoa shit you know so so good but she's great i mean this to to this day i think it's still the best thing she's ever done um and she certainly went next level after that movie all of a sudden she was getting these parts like these lead parts that photographer that war photographer in that film and then a Mm -hmm. couple other films as well so clearly she's made that leap to uh, to the next level to get offered better stuff because she's damn good in the movie. Um, all right, what's your two? Uh, my two is the favorite. Oh, see, I consider that a comedy, a black comedy, so I didn't put it on my list. But all right, go ahead, my man. Okay. No, but is it, it, this is my point of view. It's your list. Go ahead. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I could see that perspective. I think the fact that it's rooted in history was where my mind let it in it's a period piece yeah they're not exactly going for laughs but the black black comedy element of it i didn't even think yeah yeah i guess that that could be viewed from that vantage point yeah but the ending is you know pretty dramatic pretty brutal in terms of the what you're dooming this person to you know oh just the court intrigue of yeah. the rising stations of some versus others and how Rachel Weiss was 
Yeah, I, I also like this one because it's a twofer. You get Olivia plus Rachel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Emma, yeah. And it, but she's not. Oh, you know, right, right. She's not British, right? I see what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Because there are other Rachel Vices that could have put on. Yeah, I was close, like, man. I was close. Couldn't quite get there with Rachel, but I was close. Um, but at this one, I was like, well, this is perfect. This is a nice twofer. Yeah. Because uh, they're both awesome in it. But like, I, I mean, there's so many great small moments in it that give you a look behind the scenes of who the character is. Like when Olivia Coleman and that footman that's outside her door. <laughs> And she's yelling at him, and she's like, look at me. Don't you look at me! And just the absurdity of royalty and wealth on that level, yeah. and as much as you think, oh, you're a queen, you've got your shit together, everything's perfect. Yeah, She is in just utter disarray and has to lean on her court, and they want to go off and fight these wars and whatnot, and she needs yeah. to get the updates from, so she has to believe all these people, all these people, rather, and, and then to see Emma Stone go from obscure to favorite, yeah, you know, daughter, uh, and this rise, and she plays herself off as one thing, but what she does with those bunnies in the end is a better encapsulation of who she is, yeah. as opposed to the facade that she's putting on. Yeah. And then what befalls, you know, Rachel Vice and her character—that's brutal. Yeah. Uh, and these are real people that existed. I, I yeah. don't know the full yeah. story behind all of it. I know I'm, I imagine it's based in truth and they're just filling in around the edges. And obviously you don't know the dialogue that's said between people. Uh, but the, you know, events that take place. The so we have a chrono- yeah. The chronology of, uh, of what transpired when yeah. we've got these things. Uh, but it's just a fantastic movie. I know a friend of mine was like the dancing scene took him out of it completely. But I was like, ah, oh, that was fine. I think kinda, they earned it. I think they earned that yeah, scene because the rest of the film is so good. Um, oh yeah, I had zero problem with it. Was it anachronistic? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it didn't. It didn't bother me in the slightest. Yeah. Uh, you got to earn those moments, and I think Yorgos did with with that film and, and, and leading up to that moment. And you're like, when it happens, you're like, you know what? I'm gonna let this go because yeah, I, I, I get what he's going for, uh, and I'm okay with it. Let's let's get back to the rest of the movie. So. But yeah, I agree with you, dude. A great film, fantastic performances all around. But this is the one, of course, for Olivia Coleman that shot her into the next level, of course. And but it was nice to be reminded of what Rachel can do. It's nice to be reminded every once in a while of how goddamn good Rachel is and how little she works. It is so frustrating because she's so excellent. I've never seen a bad Rachel Vice performance ever. Uh, and I really that's why I was hunting so hard through these films to try to find yeah. A film that I liked and the film that she was the lead in. You know, she's been co-leader. You can throw the mummy films if you want, but ah, they're not that, you know, I, I don't think it qualified. For that me. one's the closest of yeah. the rest of her filmography. Right, because with Constant Gardner, she's already dead in the film. Yeah. So everything's like a memory. A memory right? and a flashback. Yeah. And and there's a couple of the films where she's been, I didn't see the Hasidic Rabbi one. I haven't seen that one with her, Rachel McAdams, where she's, um, she was born into this um, Jewish community, Hasidic Jewish community, I think, and she leaves it because of issues with her dad, but because she's a lesbian. And so she becomes this cop, and then she had feelings for Rachel McAdams' character when they were kid, teenagers, and then she comes back into this community to solve this murder uh, and reignites the relationship with Rachel McAdams, who's married to an up-and-coming rabbi. So it's a great premise. I, ha- I just haven't seen the movie. 
or else that might have qualified to maybe get on my list because she is the lead driving the force of everything in that movie. But yeah, but I love Rachel in this film. She's so good in this film. So, but yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, that's my um, news. All right. My two is a pr- promising young woman. Oh, sure. Cause Carrie Mulligan is the lead in that and mm-hmm. she's British. Um, and that film, man, that was such a good film. Emerald Fennell did such a great job directing that film and writing that film. And I just had a blast watching that movie. Look, the lady, uh, lady outlaw hates, well, I won't say hates. She's not, she's not, she doesn't have a tendency to watch movies, but this one she wanted to watch. And we had a great time watching this one because of Mulligan's performance in this film. And again, this is one of those films where, you know, Mulligan goes next level. Cause I mean, she'd been like the love interest in drive and the sister in, um, Hunger or Naked? What was the one with them? Shame. Hunger. Uh, she was a sister in Shame. Oh. Yeah, and these other films where she's kind of played the uh, ensemble or the love interest or whatever. But this is the film where she really kind of, boom! Like, you see her strength and ferocity as an actress. Um, and she was great on SNL. Um, and then there was a film that she, I think it's called Collateral, a TV show, a British TV show she did where she was the lead. She's a lead detective trying to solve this crime. She's great. So, um, yeah, I love this movie, and I think she's great in it. I did not see it. Oh, okay. All right. Fair I enough. wish I had something to add, but I, <laughs> I don't. No so. worries. All right. Let's get to your one. What's your one? Uh, my one is Sicario. Oh, shit. That is her movie. Oh, 100%. Son of a bitch. I it's, took a quiet place off because I was like, ah, Krasinski's in there and Quiet yeah, Place 2 wasn't quite as good. It wasn't Shit, quite as good. I didn't think of Sicario, maybe because of Benicio and his storyline. Yeah, but oh, it, she it's is, about her. She's America. It's, That's what yeah, she, she is. is. She is the she is our perspective Fuck. of like, what is this fucking drug war? Okay. Which I is a, I think the best moment of that is when they're crossing the border to come back and all of a sudden the gun violence erupts. But she's like, what are we doing here? Yeah, what are we doing here? Yeah. That would be the general public's reaction if they were thrust in the middle of this. Like, hold on, we're just opening fire on other <laughs> citizens of other countries? What? What? We're driving down into another country and just stealing, a kidnapping a person? So they stand trial here? Like, how is that legal? Yeah. What if they did that to one of us? We would cry wolf. Not cry wolf, but cry havoc. Yeah. Uh, the gray areas of the drug war. Yeah. And then when they're going through the trenches at the end yeah, and the extension of American foreign policy as Benicio flies off and then he shows back up at her place and he's like, you're fucking signing this. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, he had like almost a paternal role with her because he viewed her as a surrogate for his daughter who was right. killed. And to see him coldly mm-hmm. just be like, you're signing this. Yeah. And her having no choice, knowing Listen, I'm a badass, but this guy has no remorse. Yeah. This yeah. guy literally shot the dude's kids in front of him. Oh, at that dinner table? Such oh, a good scene. Dude. Such a good scene. And so makes him watch. And makes him watch. Yeah. yeah. I understand his motivation. That's, yeah. you know, eye for an eye. I don't give a shit if the whole world's blind. I think that's why this film didn't connect with enough voters to get into consideration for Oscars. Or because... It's too good. It's too real. It's too truthful. And you're right. It's too good. And uh, most people still want to cling on to their antiquated ideas of 
of of good and evil, and they don't want to actually realize what's actually going on and what it really takes to try to make a dent in something like this. You know, um, yeah, that, oh, there's so many great scenes. You know, and you almost yeah. forget Bernthal and the the, yeah, can, well, the central cameo that he has in the movie as well. You know? Yeah, she pieces together that he works for the cartels. Oh, dude, his. He's so good. I haven't seen the, the American Gigolo yet, but uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Oh, did you see it? Okay. Yeah, watch the first episode. It's worth sure. continuing. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, Jay pops up in the second episode. Jay Washington's recurring in the show. So ah, good for Jay. See him in the show. But yeah, I should watch it because I, I like Bernthal and I, that scene. He is struggling with himself. Like he's like, I got to do this. I don't want to do this, but I got to do this to yeah. maintain my status in my situation. You know and. Um, once again, because in a way, she, if she symbolizes America, that's one of the people who is sworn to protect the country, betraying the country because they've gotten themselves into a situation and they don't want to lose that lifestyle. Uh, so it's like, yeah, you just there's so much symbolism throughout the fucking movie. It's, uh, I moved it to my number two. So, uh, yeah, it, I totally I don't know how, why I didn't think about this. Um, yeah. Great choice, Matt. <laughs> Shit, I feel like an idiot. All right. So then my number one. Is the Queen with Helen Mirren? Okay, yeah. Oh, I love this movie, and I love her in it, um, and especially now, obviously with the passing of the Queen, um, I think she did an excellent job uh, portraying this character. And again, a role that Tilda Swinton would never normally play. And uh, she said in interviews that when she saw the wardrobe for what the sh- for you the film, Helen she just broke down and cried. She just broke down and cried because it was so antithetical to who she is as a person, a more free person um uh but what she does throughout the whole movie this restrained performance and then later when she realizes that the public was kind of right and prime minister was kind of right that you know she was not considering the people's points of views on diana and she was more caught up in her own personal experience so it's great um exploration through the movie of where she's at in her life uh and her status as queen so um, she delivers a hell of a performance. I think she won the Oscar for this, I think. Um, I know she was nominated. I don't know if she won or not, but. Maybe she didn't. She didn't it seems it. reasonable. It's a it's a meaty part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah she, she won in 2007. I just now compare it. It's so hard when you have the crown. That yeah. When I see any oh, modern yeah. British royalty stuff and be like, it's not as good as the crown. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's not, which is, which is true, you know, but yeah, which I'm, I'm waiting to, for that new season already, man. Come on. You know. Well, apparently they're not going to jump forward too far in time. No. Cause why would they, they, why waste this other, all these stories? Cause we want to milk this, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Like we already flew through quite a bit of time. I'm going to be very curious to see, because, I mean, the queen dying now, there's all this, you know, reappraisal of her. Uh, and certainly that season five, I think, is going to be dealing with how they absolutely destroy Diana. Uh, and so I wonder how people are going to take that. And I wonder if they're going to adjust stuff or if they're going to wait till this all dies down for a little while and then release the season. I don't know. You know, because already there were elements of Olivia Coleman's performance that were unsavory at times in this past season. So I wonder if they're willing 
to kind of risk the backlash from some of the monarchy loyalists or some of the fans. Um, Plus the monarchy themselves. Like, yeah. It was one thing to portray these certain events in history, but now to get into the gossipy areas. Right, right. That's where you're going to, you know, rub people the wrong way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I almost, if I'm Coleman, I might bow out. Well, she's not coming back. It's, um, they're recasting her with um, the actress who, in Harry Potter, who plays the woman in pink, the evil. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. She's taking over. Uh, for Olivia Coleman, and then a new and Elizabeth Debicki is coming in to play Diana. Uh, Emma Corrin is not going to play Diana in the new season, and I th- and I think uh, the dude from The Wire is going to play Prince Charles. I think. So. Who uh... the main guy, Simon West? I think. So, okay. Yeah, we get him and Purefoy mixed oh, up James in my head for this. <laughs> They're, they, they're very similar and they do different things, but at the same time in my head, like they exist on a lot of the same level. <laughs> you tell me you couldn't swap out the two of them? No. I, I think Pure Fight looks nothing like uh, Simon West. I think What's-His-Face from Beauty and the Beast looks like Simon West a little bit, in my opinion. Is that his name, Simon West? I forget it. Like a, there's a film director named Simon West. Yeah, my bad. What's his name? Dominic West. Sorry, Dominic West. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the guy from Beauty and the Beast. Who is? Okay, yeah. James Purefoy and Dominic West are practically the same person. You're the same person. Dude, go side by side. I did, I'm looking at it right now. They look nothing. Luke Evans. Luke Evans and Dominic West. I get them confused all the time. You're out of your mind. Luke Evans has such a distinct look. <laughs> what? Between him and Dominic West. Yeah, I want to vote from the people. Who looks oh, of more of similar? Dominic West? This is your default every time because they always vote with you. Oh, I'm sorry. Asking a third opinion is my default? Yes, because I'm fucking Democratic. You're not a Democrat. I'm going to bring this up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this up on the screen right now. Go and ahead. You, yeah, I'm going to bring it up. Right, this is... You think these two guys look like each other? Are you insane? They look versus, like each other. For, well, first off, I would go younger because I'm thinking of The Wire and Rome in my head. Oh, yeah, right. He's great in Rome, James Purefoy. Absolutely. Yeah. But they, 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 come on. But Dominic West and Evans? No fucking chance, man. Go ahead. You got a side by side of them? I'm going to look it up right now and see if I can find that because <laughs> they're actually doing a show together. Which I had no idea. Purefoy and Dominic West. Luke Evans? Is that what we said, Luke Evans? Yeah. yeah. Now, Luke Evans, there's one up here. Luke Evans and Orlando Bloom, 100%. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Luke Evans and Orlando Bloom. I could totally see that. Although someone's done a side by, like they cut the frame. Come on, in half. look at that. It's the same person. That does look fairly similar. Yeah, Come that's on, the one Matt. I True. I don't know. Luke's eyes are so distinctive. Yeah, I, fans, you can side with me on this one. You don't have to side with your heart because I know a lot of you love Matt Nost over me, but you can side with the logical brain of yours and see that I'm right. So, anyway, let's. That's our top tens of British female-led dramas. Uh, you want to combine these or just let them sit? What do you want to do? 
Well, we're just going by movie itself, right? So let's just combine them. Okay. So we have what? Sicario 1, 2. So yeah. Sicario. Um, we have Gone Girl and Rogue One in common. Rogue One is 4, 6. Gone Girl is 3, 8. So I would say 4, 6 beats yeah. that. Yeah. So you just want to put. Sure. Since they're the common ones. And I'm going to add Coda to my list because I forgot about oh, that okay. one. But it would it would rank near the bottom. Okay, fair enough. Where'd you have Coda again? I have at, at, at now, because I added Sicario, Coda is down at eight. Okay, I was thinking of throwing it at the 9-10 range. So we'll hold off on Coda. Sounds good. All right, so what's your highest? My number one, the queen. All right, so the queen... And my number two is the favorites. Okay. One through five done. Um, okay. We have your three in Gone Girl, right? Yeah. My three is. Oh, no. You just shifted. Yeah. Gone Girl is. We already put it on the list, right? Or no? Yeah. Okay. So my three is, yeah, pretty young woman. A promising young woman. Promising young woman. All right. So I got Mary Poppins. Are we flipping? Sure. Giving it to Mary Poppins. Oh, an all-time classic. Uh, yeah. All right, here we go. Of course, it bounced across the room. <laughs> well, you win some and you lose some in life. Promising young woman? Yeah, nice. I mean, is there a lot of is there a lot of drama? In so there? we got eight, nine, and ten left. I'm going to go ahead and throw Coda. Yeah, let's do that. Eight. Okay. Um, I have my five. That's my next highest. I have my five as well. So since I won the last one, you can take this one. What, what's your five? Uh, the last duel. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah, definitely on the list. What's your five? Um, little children. All right, that's it. That's the top ten Ooh, right there. All right. I don't have the bongos. They're back in the garage, so I'm just going to do the desk. So, all right. The top 10 British female-led dramas, yeah. At number 10. Little Children. At number 9. The Last Duel. At number 8. Coda. At number 7. Mary Poppins. At number 6. Promising Young Woman. At number 5. The Favorite. At number 4. The Queen. At number 3. Don Girl. At number two, Rogue One. And our number one British female-led drama is... Sicario. Sicario. Emily Blunt. All right, well, there you go. Thank you all so much uh, for listening or watching our top ten show. We appreciate it madly, this great episode. Getting British stuff back-to-back, so hope you're enjoying that. And Shout-out to everybody who joined us live. We appreciate it madly. I know some of you had to dump off because it's a long show, but we appreciate you hanging out with us for as many time for as long as you did. So thanks to Hasso, Paul Cree, Drew Enns, uh, James Petty, and Michael Bauer. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us live. If you're a $10 and above patron, you get to hang out with us every second and fourth Thursday of the month uh, and watch our show live. And you get to know the list ahead of time, uh, four days ahead of time, or three days ahead of time. And you get to know what we're talking about ahead of time. And then we listen to it all over again on Tuesday when we drop it or two, on Monday at midnight. Um, all right. Anything else we need to say, Matt? 
You can follow the show at Top 10 Show on Twitter. It's all spelled out. Or on Instagram and YouTube, it's forward slash the Top 10 Podcast with the number 10. And hit us up on Patreon.com forward slash the Top 10 with the number 10. There's all the ways you can contact the show. You can hit me up at Matt Nost and uh, check out my other show, uh, Settle the Score. You can find that anywhere you get podcasts or head to YouTube.com forward slash Matt Nost. There you go. Uh, as for me, you can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, The Outlaw Nation on Twitch, and my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca Says. Go and subscribe there. Get me to 25,000 subscribers. For God's sakes, people, help me out. Uh, and uh, I think that's it. Oh, yeah, and my other podcast. Sorry, The Cinephiles and The Geek Buddies. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well, and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of The Top Ten Show. Peace. Peace.